You're listening to Podcasting Paradigms with David Truss. This is episode 12, Learning and Patience. This is going to be a podcast in two parts, both with a focus on China. Part one is from March 2016 when a group of educators went to China during our March break. While teachers were in classes teaching lessons and being observed by Chinese educators, I was with a group of three other administrators presenting to our Chinese principal and vice principal colleagues about how we do things in the Coquitlam School District here in British Columbia, Canada. In part one, I interviewed James Ellison, a middle school tech education teacher from Coquitlam, regarding observations that we made about how patience is valued and not valued in different cultures. During this interview, I mentioned a blog post that I wrote while living in China titled Slowly by Slowly. For part two of this podcast, I'm going to read that post. And now, let's hop on a noisy bus together to hear my conversation with James Ellison. I'm sitting with James Ellison and we are on a bus from Hangzhou to Shanghai on our day 11 of a trip that a Quitlam School District contingency has taken uh, where we have had an amazing experience with teachers working, teaching in schools across different cities as well as uh, principals doing uh, day and a half presentations to two different uh, principal forums and uh, signing a bunch of uh, sister school agreements. And one of the interesting things that happened, uh, I think it was after the first day of teaching, uh, James and I had a conversation about um, learning patience in school. So welcome, James. Thank you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what we were talking about? We, we were just kind of, we were just noticing that uh, the difference between the way school is structured or learning is structured, and, or not even learning necessarily, just development is structured in China in relationship to, to North America, and how so many of the activities in China, uh, which are often carried out from you know a small child to you know an elderly person, are based on teaching patience over time and how um, the, the one of the goals is really to help students learn how to actually take the time to slow down and actually do something to a really fine quality or fine detail rather than just the idea of starting and completing and moving on. And I think one of the things that I notice is that um, anytime we do something for a sustained amount of time in Canada, um, it becomes something where students are either racing to get done or they're bored. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I also think too that we, we have this idea, because of the way that we structured our learning, that um, once I've done something once, I'm done it. So, you know, I, I've, I've done this area and now I'm, I'm ready to move on, as opposed to the idea that really you're never an expert in anything, and that, and that sometimes the idea of just getting to complete something really means that you're not actually taking the time to really dig in and learn or master what you're doing, or, or even just the fact that doing something, not to, not to put it underneath under your belt as, a, as some sort of skill that you have, but to take the time to be able to enjoy what you're doing and 
yeah, to become to become excellent at it. So what are the examples of things you saw that the Chinese students doing that sort of encourage that patient learning? Well, well, I think, I mean, so much of what they do in terms of the like, calligraphy, the idea is that even their, the way that they write their their language, is, it's not, and there's so much more of it. And, and they really focus on taking the time to, like, not just write. I mean, I guess we do a little bit of printing, but even now in North America, people are starting to get away from the idea of even printing. Like, it's like, just, the, you know, that now we're focusing on typing because typing is the most efficient way to get your information across. And it's the quickest way, but it doesn't, it, you know, that's that same focus of trying to get it quicker rather than taking the time. And I think what we're, look, we're, what we're focusing on so much is the, is the efficiency and we're losing out on the ability to, to slow down and, and, I guess, enjoy the moment. And I, I mean, I feel like especially, I don't know necessarily about China, but, you know, even the idea of meditation. Where North America is so non-meditation. Where we're, we, the idea of taking time and just enjoying where you are and, and you know even small details we seem to be just rushing through life to get to the next thing not realizing that next thing just leads to another thing and if you keep doing that you haven't actually been anywhere but everywhere but not enjoyed anything so. yeah and it's that you know I, I wrote a blog post a while ago when I lived in China and it was called slowly by slowly which was a, a frame that uh, a phrase that when it was first said to um, an expat, he thought that the idea was, uh, you know, it was step by step, mm -hmm. and it was a mistranslation or a Chinglish sort of translation. Yeah. But I think slowly by slowly actually means something more. Where uh, we don't use a term like that in in, in North America, well, you know, we we just think one step than the other. But there is this essence of slowing down and doing it really right. Yeah, and, and I think also that you know, in your class in North America, you hand out an assignment. And, and kids rate themselves on how quickly they get done a quiz or, or how quickly they hand in an assignment, not realizing that actually we should be valuing those students that really take the time to think about the assignment, to really get in as deep as they can, and then to come out of it with more knowledge and more self-awareness rather than I want another sheet, I want another assignment. And, uh, and I think that you know, in my school we're, we're focusing on self-regulation and we're just expecting students to just now take the time in grade five, grade six, whatever grade they are and be aware of their feelings but we don't expect them to be able, we don't really teach them how to do it, we just expect them to be able to have that skill and really, like from little kids, we should have activities that teach patience. Yeah, you and, know. And you bring up an interesting topic because I look at things like self-regulation, and when we're trying to teach it in North America, well, we're not actually teaching how to self-regulate. We're teaching that when you can't self-regulate, here's how here's a strategy to help you manage it. Yeah. But we're not actually saying here's how you self-regulate in the first place to prevent yourself from getting to the point where you're not managing it. Yeah. And that seems to be something pretty um, uh, pretty lacking yeah. in, in, in what we do. Well I also think too that part of the idea of self-regulation, you know, that we you know in some schools they've started things like mind up and activities that help slow down the pace of what you're trying to do your everyday life but North America for some reason because many cultures do that outside of North America uh, we somehow seem to attach that idea of mindfulness to religion 
and there are many people that when they have when their child or children are, are you know doing some sort of meditation in class people automatically people automatically um, think it's a religious thing and uh, and can't see that really everybody needs to take the time doesn't matter where you are in your life or what activity you're doing is to take the time and look around you and observe and enjoy what you're seeing and smelling and feeling and not keep thinking, okay, I've got to get to this place and then I've got to perform this task and I've got to go to the next place. And, um, you know, and that's one thing I really enjoy about, you know, being in China and especially with the meals is every time I'm sitting down with, a, with someone, one of the teachers from the school for a, for a meal, they always say, slow, take yeah. your time, there's no rush. And in North America, you know, often a family dinner at my house even if we go out, is under 40 minutes. Yeah. Everybody's done and they want to move on. The kids want to get going. Yeah. Whereas a slow, a, a slow way of living, I think, allows you to appreciate the people around you more and not feel like you're in that rush. Yeah. I, I've gone on a few runs, um, early morning runs, and I'm blown away by the fact that there are tons of yeah. There are tons of uh, seniors um, out and active, you know, and doing things in the community. So, you know, I start my run and there's a flat area and a little courtyard. There's music going and there's 60, not a, no, so about 24, 25 women all doing exercise together. And then I go up to another section and they're playing badminton with each other yeah. and then I go up a, a little higher and they finish their hike and they're all stretching and it's just yeah. amazing that they're taking the time to just enjoy you know and, and last night when we when we were leaving the the shopping um, you joined in on a, a dance group right and, yeah and just you want to describe what, what was happening well, there I think it was just it's a it's a bunch of people and I think you know getting together and being active and I think for some reason I don't know if it's North American culture being so compartmentalized in your own house your your space that there's a lot less community activities and this is you know this is a way for people to get out and listen to music and interact and feel part of a community and I, uh, I found it really interesting in the school Tong Lu, or in the city Tonglu where I was where I asked what this building was and, and he said oh well that's a university for the elderly and I said well, what do you mean he said well no when people retire they want to do activities so there's painting teachers there's uh, Tai Chi teachers there's politics teachers and there's all these activities for these people who are retired and I said oh I said how like well, that just that just makes so much sense. So the idea that when you retire, you're supposed to just kind of hang out, but but their their whole idea is that your learning never stops, and that you you know in our in North American society, I think when we think of someone who's elderly, we we don't realize how much community or how important community is, and activity and 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 knowledge like that you know because you're 70 doesn't mean that you have to stop learning. I, and I think one of the challenges here, though, is the idea of having to be, having to be perfect is something that um, is really a, a huge challenge. Um, I give an example because when, when we lived in China, my, when we lived in China, um, we're just going to move away from some people talking right behind us. Um, <laughs> when, when I lived in China, we took our daughters to to go to a swim team to a swim coach and 
when the coach finished the first lesson with my kids, um, he came over and said, your daughter is very good, right? But when I asked my daughter, well, what was it like? She said, it was awful. She said, everything I did, he said, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And the idea was, you know, in, in our culture, when someone isn't doing something right, you say, that's really great, but now try this, yeah. right? In the eyes of this coach, it wasn't perfect, so it was wrong. Yeah, yeah. And here's the feedback to make it uh, better, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I relate that to what's happening in schools because their competition for being the best is just so high here. Yeah. And, and yeah. yeah. But I also I noticed that even I took a pottery class years ago and um, and I remember them talking about Japanese pottery. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I remember <laughs> I remember um, them talking about how, you know, when you were doing ceramics in Japan, you would throw out your first thousand things because you you weren't allowed to move on until you had perfected one aspect so the cup you would you would do a thousand of them and then everyone wasn't perfect until that first one was perfect and then you could move on and I think in North America often we just here try this okay great move on yeah so there there is that I guess a difference in philosophy and also just yeah how how you look at skills and yeah, but what I wonder about is that 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 pressure to be perfect and that importance of competition here. Because if you're not one of the top ones, you don't get an opportunity to move on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, did you notice that in schools with the pressure? Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I it would be interesting to have talked to the students about how they feel. The <laughs> the school that I was at wasn't one of the top schools, and uh, so I never got the. I mean. I, I got the impression that students worked really hard, but I didn't really, I couldn't really see whether or not how they if they felt that their studying was going to affect their future. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, yeah, so, well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I just think it's really interesting how um, I think we have a lot to learn about that patience piece. Yeah, I, t- yeah. I totally do. And I, I think that would be a really interesting thing to do is to start to look at, even in kindergarten, to do activities around the idea of developing patience. And the other thing too, I you know I, I uh, I've encountered a few times, and I think it's I can't remember if it was Japan, but kind of sand art. Uh, maybe it was in Nepal, where you know you do these you take the time and you do these beautiful pieces of, of sand art, and then as soon as they're done, you wash them away, yeah. and that that is that you know you can enjoy what you're doing, and it doesn't have to be about the end result. It can be about the activity itself. The process. The process. Yeah, and and enjoying that process and. Just like enjoying the meal, as you were yeah, saying. Yeah, it, it can yeah. Be, it can be that slowing down. And, and I, I found that when I was doing learning some Chinese painting, um, is that she was also telling me that, that in the Chinese painting um, that I don't want to make a perfectly straight line. She said, you want to, you want to um, how would you say it? You want to waver. You want to shiver a little bit because you want to make more than just the look of the tree you want the feeling of the tree and the mm-hmm. feeling of the scene and how in North America often the, the main goal of painting is to make it look real. Yes. In, in my in my opinion, I think that for a lot of the traditional Japanese art, she was saying that it's you want to be able to have different layers of feeling and you want it to be, you want to leave a little bit to your own kind of interpretation. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was at a, a signing of a sister school 
and the we went into one of the classes and it was the art teacher and he created a scroll for us yeah and when he's creating the scroll he did a couple strokes where the you know it was you could vaguely see you could vaguely see the line yeah like it was almost um it, it was an imperfect it was an imperfect stroke with yeah. a lot of gaps in I it. I put in my earplugs. And, um, and when I watched it, I thought, oh, he's going to go back over and clean that up. Yeah. But he didn't. It, that was just part of the stroke. And the fact that the, you know, the fact that the ink didn't cover the full line was just, you know, um, you know, here's a master art teacher, and it's okay. Right it's okay that that, that and, happened. And that's right? actually, and I, I was doing these little leaves on a certain type of tree, and I was trying really hard to make all the connections perfect. And, and he said, uh, he said, it's okay for some, but he said many. You want them to not be perfect. You want you want to you want them to cross over, and you don't want them to join in the perfect spot because you want to give an impression of not like it's not just about the detail. You know, it's yeah. not about that kind of perfect connection in the right way. And yeah, it was interesting. Well, we certainly had a lot of interruptions yeah. with uh, having a, a bus break right when we uh, started talking. But thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate you're welcome. It. I appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. No problem. This is Slowly by Slowly, written April 19, 2011. A while back, I read a great article that I found in the December 2007 to January 2008 edition of Focus on Dalian, Slowly by Slowly, by Rob Gibbets. This was the first piece Rob wrote for his monthly column, The Expat Manager. The article starts, quote, I first heard this phrase from our Chinese production manager. I have to admit, at first, it sounded like just another Chinglish phrase, end quote. Chinglish is the portmanteau of the words Chinese and English and refers to spoken or written English, which is influenced by Chinese. Rob continues, quote, Those odd-sounding phrases that often amuse the native English speaker, those Chinglish phrases, may offer a key to understanding our host culture. Slowly by slowly may carry some meaning absent from the familiar little by little or step by step that a native English speaker would use. Little indicates size or quantity. Step in implies distance. Slowly brings our attention to the element of time. End of quote. China is a world of contrasts. In one moment, I could be exasperated by how long a simple process takes to be completed, and in another moment, I could be absolutely amazed at how quickly something can be accomplished. It can be something small and procedural, it can be a major undertaking, or even something cultural. Our neighboring school has undergone some significant renovations recently with LCD touchscreens and book projectors in every classroom. Elementary classes have been moved from rows to table groups, and I even got to witness a wonderful activity with table groups reporting out to a student presenter at the front of the room. Each group getting its turn with their own representative standing to deliver their contribution, and a small round of applause after each turn. 
a wonderful blend of East meets West. Then I learn of the minimum two weekly tests in every subject. And in visiting our school, a grade one teacher from their school asked our grade one teacher, these are great assignments that you have on your walls. How do you do all of this and still prepare your students for university? Slowly by slowly. And as I look back to the West, I see progress. I see educators connected to learning networks and learning communities. I see edubloggers and educational leaders presenting forward-thinking ideas, focused on pedagogy, empowering learners, and meaningful application of technology. I see global collaboration, teachers reflecting on their practice, students sharing their work with experts in the world. I see pockets of brilliance. What I don't see is the big picture changing. Step by step, little by little, slowly by slowly. How do we move beyond incremental changes, one teacher at a time, to system-wide change? How do we meaningfully lead the revolution, the evolution of education? What does it take to create a new paradigm where we question everything and make agile, meaningful changes to a collective, our practice? There are times when we need to take stock of our own impatience and accept that things take time, that we need to appreciate that things happen slowly by slowly. But I believe, I want to believe, that a shift in education is not something we need to wait for. How do we create the shift now? <laughs>